Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back, everybody, to Wells Tech. This is episode 703, 703, recorded on June 1st, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Joining me, as usual, my podcasting partner, Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Hi, Martin. Happy to be joining you. Happy that summertime has arrived. Um, we got some warm temperatures some rain and green growing grass and and actually lots of flowers. We moved in our house uh, last summer in August, so it's kind of a surprise to see all the springtime flowers. There's mm-hmm. beautiful irises in our yard and huge lilac trees and just nice. a lot of pretty stuff. It's a neat, here. neat time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We took the camper out last weekend. Last weekend was Memorial Day weekend, so we had a long weekend. Went out to Governor Dodge State Park, which we'd never been to about an hour southwest of uh, Madison, just beautiful. I think one of the oldest state parks in Wisconsin and had perfect weather. There was not a wisp of, of breeze and had sunshine and just kind of perfect conditions, which may can be a little iffy, um, but uh, this was this was perfect. And now we've got... Uh, now we've got a heat wave here, so... But I'm not yes. complaining after the long winter, so it's good stuff. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, summer means uh, something different for Wells Tech as well. Uh, we try and do a little bit of Wells Tech light, we'll call it, uh, over the summer. We take a little bit of a break ourselves and talk about. Uh, we do. We've done different things. We've done series, uh, and uh, you know that's been fun. Uh, but normally it's an abbreviated agenda. Uh, we know that people have probably a little less listening time or not or maybe as inspired to to do that. Um, and sometimes we just do a book review, and that is exactly what we're doing this year. Um, the The book that we're talking about, uh, I'm familiar with as I was teaching my MLC course on um, enhancing ministry with technology is one of my students picked this particular book entitled Tech Like a Pirate by Matt Miller. Uh, It's not a super long book, which is also appealing for us over the summer. Uh, It's a quick, quick read. Uh, Matt Miller, uh, we I think we've talked about on the the podcast before, but we should give a little bit of a disclaimer. This is really education focused, but having said that, I think there is something in here uh, for absolutely everybody who does any kind of teaching, whether that's uh, formal classroom teaching, catechetical teaching, adult learning, you know, whatever. I think there are applicable principles uh, that we can find in this book. So we're going to divvy it up into, what did we say, Sally, thirds uh, or um, more? Was it two chapters a week? So it'll take us maybe five times to get five times okay. the whole book uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Um, little bite-sized nuggets. That's that's kind of neat when you're going through a book that has some very, very practical stuff in it. Um, and he says that in the book, he tries to keep it updated. There's an associated website and resources that he really wants this to be kind of a living, breathing thing. 
Yep. Yeah, I definitely wanted to point out if you want to read along with us, you can get a Kindle copy of the book for less than $10. So that's quite a deal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, you can learn all about Matt over at his website, ditchthattextbook.com, which we've certainly mentioned multiple times on the show in the past. I actually used one of his summer professional development courses last summer to learn how to do kind of a digital escape room. And he does really quality work. He explains things. He has great uh, screen captures and drawings and things to go along with things he's explaining. And uh, the same is true, just like you said, Martin, with Tech Like a Pirate. He's dedicated a page on his website to the book. Um, and there's lots of things that he'll talk about in the book where you can get resources from him. So um, it's not just read the book. It's actually come here and get practical things. Maybe it's a a Google slide deck that he shares with you that you can make a copy of or whatever. Um, and also on this page, there's a video. So if you want to um, hear from Matt himself about Tech Like a Pirate, there's a video here that he presented um, for the Wakelet community. And there's a Wakelet related to Tech Like a Pirate. So there's all kinds of resources if you want to dig in and learn about anything we talk about on the show or anything that's in the book, because obviously we're not going to hit up everything. Yep. Um, as we have our discussion. Yeah, I got to love the Wakelet stuff. Um, Tech Like a Pirate, that title may sound familiar to some who are into um, teaching resources. There was a book entitled Teach Like a Pirate, different author, but uh, he's very upfront in saying, you know, some of the principles and the approaches that he takes and covers in this book are based on or inspired by uh, the, the published work Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess back in 2012. Uh, so that's got, that's about 11 years old now. Um, uh, so I think that's maybe one of the foundational things we should start with, Sally, um, because there are, uh, when, we, when, we use, when he uses the word pirate, uh, that's an acronym um, and for, um, six characteristics of successful teaching. Um, and maybe we can go through those real quick, just to kind of set the framework for, for what he's going to jump into. So pirate, P-I-R-A-T-E, um, passion, immersion, rapport, ask slash analyze, transformation, and enthusiasm. And I bet the, a lot of our audience out there has maybe read this and, and has heard you know, that acronym before, but passionate, feeling passionate about teaching, you, know, you really have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, it's easy to spot a teacher that's, uh, that's not uh, passionate about what they're doing. Uh, immersion, being fully present and uh, fully at attention in the moment with your students. And that probably goes, that goes across not just teaching, but life in general, super important, especially in a tech distracted world. Um, rapport, connecting with students on a personal level to build that safe, fun environment. Ask slash analyze, asking the right questions about your teaching ideas and constantly analyzing their effectiveness. We've talked about this in the past is there's always this cycle of, uh, of doing and then assessing and then redoing. Uh, transformation, rethinking what's possible in the classroom to break down barriers. So what needs or what can or what should or what must change. And then finally, enthusiasm, harnessing this most powerful tool in the classroom 
to create high impact teaching. And that's getting the enthusiasm of your, your learners uh, up uh, a level. And uh, that's what makes learning fun. So that that's, if you wanted to distill teach like a pirate down to like six points, those are the six points. Right. And author um, Matt Miller says that he got really fired up. He was really excited about what uh, Dave had to say in the book. He mm-hmm. felt like he could just adopt it and, you know, transform his classroom. He was really um, excited by that. Don't just teach a lesson, create an experience, that kind of thing. Um, and what he kept coming back to is the book's ideas could be enhanced with technology, that there were so many free digital tools out there and tech that schools had available to them. And if you laid technology on top of everything that was in the Teach Like a Pirate book, that things could really be amped up, that you could mm-hmm. really make some um some great memories, some experiences using um, technology as a serious tool to accomplish those things. Right. So, um, you know, I think part of this is you have to kind of realize it's not all about just getting through all the chapters in the book or checking off all the worksheets have been completed or things like that, that engaging with students, even being silly with students is, is, is academic work. The experiences they have um, grow their knowledge and leave them wanting more. It engages them in the class rather than just um, passing the time and waiting for things to, to happen. Getting through the curriculum, right? Exactly. Uh And, you know, I, I did find a time, Martin, to outside of the classroom as I was reading, there was something that really came to mind. And he was kind of supporting with different studies and quotes from different um, people. And one of the things he wrote was, emotional events often attain a privileged status in memory based on Labar and Cabeza in 2006, a study. And I realized even um, definitely emotional classroom events, I mean, I can think back to specific things that my teacher did and of course, I was a mathy. I had one teacher that would pull out a piece of string and chalk and draw a circle on the on the board and come up with all the different um, angles and things just using a piece of string and chalk. We, we were all in awe of him and his abilities with just a piece of string and chalk, you know, and that sticks in my brain. Um, mm-hmm. But I also thought about experiences outside of the classroom. And um, one in particular that and I've done a million things with church activities and stuff, but there's one that really sticks in my brain. And it was a church camping trip we did down in Texas with a lot of people from our church. And, you know, I think it eventually rained. There was a raccoon that came in my tent while we were sleeping and took my powdered donuts and ate them. (laughs) And we found the powder on the ground the next morning. There were just events that stuck in my brain and our pastor called it, friendship by ordeal. Like when you go Mm -hmm. through things with people, it strengthens bonds when you're in people's homes, when you're doing different things, those are those kind of emotional events that he's talking about in the classroom. They also happen outside of the classroom and, and um, pastors and teachers can certainly encourage those kind of things um, as they're planning different events and things. So that's my tie into the church side there. 
Yeah, one thing that came to my mind was actually something you have been involved with in the past, and that's these maker experiences and and robotics. Those are all about creating those experiences. It's not just mm-hmm. sitting at a desk. It's team building. It's creating stuff out of nothing. It's uh, being creative in um, you know problem solving. Uh, those kinds of things are all experiences that that you remember, and uh, you know those are the things that you take take forward with you. So. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Sally, one thing, uh, one interesting point out of chapter one, which is entitled Tech Like a Pirate, Teach Like a Maverick. You kind of have to know the movie Top Gun to get the title of the chapter because that's one of his illustrations. He goes into a little bit of a de- detail about uh, Tom Cruise's character in Top Gun, whose name is Maverick. And his whole point there is taking calculated risks um know what risks are worth taking and sometimes um doing nothing is also taking a risk the status quo uh mean could mean failure and that's the risk of failure so uh taking these risks is is something that he's encouraging teachers to do as they're figuring out how to connect with the kids connect with the students Uh, creating this learning environment that is, yeah, some things may crash and burn, uh, but other things may be wildly successful. And even the things that crash and burn, I I wrote down a quote here, your failures, failures aren't really failures, they're data. Your failures are data, meaning you have a uh, a set, you have information, you have feedback, you have things that you've tried that didn't work, which can inform things that potentially could work. Uh, I think that was a great way to look at it. Yeah. He kind of illustrated it with a cycle like, hey, this is a great idea. Things aren't working. Here's a new way that I can improve it. Oh, but I'm scared I might fail, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you've got to get past that. You've got to be willing to take some of those calculated risks and learn from them and yep. do it better the next time. And yep. uh, things can improve. He even talked about one of those failures of his own in the next chapter, which is which he entitled Experiences, Not Apps, which was kind of an interesting introduction to almost a you almost think it's it's too simple in the in the approach. But you're basically the concept is you're taking things that the student is very familiar with, very excited about, um, and applying and crafting a learning experience using similar, not necessarily the exact same tools, but a similar experience where you're drawing out of them in common tools that uh, they already get. So you're not teaching them actually a new tool, which is part of the appeal. You don't have to teach them how to use the tool and then how to learn with the tool, but you know, you're using the experiences they already have and then creating something around it that they get excited about. So he uses the example of the the uh, social media app Vine. I don't know if you remember Vine, Sally, back in the day. Um, it was a failed, kind of a short-lived uh, niche social media tool that allowed for six-second video clips, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So kind of the, you know, the first iteration of a TikTok or Snapchat kind of a. And I'm guessing there wasn't as storage wasn't as cheap back then. So six seconds was all they could afford to store for the videos that might be And yeah, he basically what he did was he recreated the Vine experience using, and he's a big uh, Google uh, educator. So he uses Google tools and he uses Google slides uh, to, to kind of recreate the experience, create templates and ask the students to, to create their own little um, vine, vine-ish kinds of things around different educational topics. And uh, it, it didn't get kind of the bang that he thought it would get initially, but I think he learned from that. And then later on in the chapter, he talks about kind of doing the same thing with Instagram stories and those kinds of things that that did uh, make a difference. And I think that's part of it, right? You 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 fail and then you iterate and then you you get a little bit better, you get a little bit smarter, and um, things go better. Yeah. I remember trying to do uh, computer lab stuff with our um, Christian Day School back in the late first part of 2000, maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And there were days where we just spent our whole time trying to get logged in. You know, that kind of speaks to don't try to do something new. Don't add, you know, 14 accounts here and 72 accounts over here. Which provides no educational value. Exactly. Just a lot of frustration. So everybody has a Google account now. Let's just use Google tools and let's make that work. So you you cut out that whole chunk of time that would be spent around, well, what is Google Slides? What can I do with Google Slides? You've already used it. The kids are familiar with it, that kind of thing. And so great example there. And then that concept of... um, you know, trying something and learning from it. He said uh, he didn't have enough iPads for everybody to do these Vine videos or stuff. So again, kind of you run into these barriers, these hardware, these software challenges, the bandwidth, whatever it may be. And then you adjust and excel the next time Mm -hmm. you try it, you get past those. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid, try things out and um, and I love that in this chapter, he also kind of did a disclaimer up front the apps I talk about may not exist by the time you right. read this book because it is such a quickly changing, um, you know, landscape of tools that are out there. So I don't know that he mentioned TikTok at all because TikTok probably didn't even exist when he wrote this book. And so, um, you know, now if you were doing some kind of pretend video experience or whatever, maybe you'd make it in a TikTok kind of format because mm-hmm. that's where everybody is and and that's what they're familiar with. So um, make it fit. Use his ideas and, and um, you know, try yep. things that you're familiar with or comfortable with or that you know are trending with students and things like that. Don't, don't be locked into yep. exactly what he did in this time period. Just again on that failure concept, failing forward, as it were, Uh, he said, avoid saying to yourself, I'll never do that again. He kind of flips that around and says, I'll never do it that way again. Just Mm -hmm. inserting a couple words that really kind of reframe how you feel about you know, a failure and how it can help you moving forward. He asked a couple key questions. I thought I, I jotted these down too. Uh, he said, when there's a new app craze, he says he sees it as an opportunity. So you obviously have to be in tune with your students, which is uh, you know kind of a duh moment. But mm-hmm. and then the questions are, why are my students obsessed? 
Uh, so why, you know, why is it, why do they all like Minecraft or Fortnite or whatever it is? What's the hook that keeps them coming back? Most importantly, can I use the app's concept as a springboard for creating a new experience in my classroom? So he's constantly looking and asking those questions and then figuring out how to translate that into something that would work in a classroom. So, you know, teachers are probably teachers because at one point they were students who loved learning. Mm -hmm. And I just think this fits so well with teachers who are so creative as it is. And then to be able to, you know, adapt and make it fit their particular needs. I think that's really cool. We saw that with the, um, the escape boxes, the, the locked boxes and things where they made boxes for every subject area and all different age groups and things like that. People just got really creative with it. And I think that that keeps teaching fun and exciting. I know it's work, right? but that's what we signed up for. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we kind of summed up those first two chapters pretty well, Sally. And there are a bunch of resources in, in the book that we really can't go through that will, you know, obviously create links for where he talks about templates that he gives away, you know, Google templates that he gives away. And he talks about, you know, I don't have to be, you know, into the Google you know, ecosystem. You can use Microsoft tools or whatever tools you're comfortable with. Uh, but it gives lots of starting points kind of stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, so you don't have to reinvent it, or at least you get a sense for what he's talking about rather than just reading the words. You're seeing what he did, what he actually did and used. So that's kind of cool too. We'll we'll put a link to as much as we can in the show notes uh, as we go along here. Awesome. All right. So that's chapters intro one and two. Again, I would encourage you to get the book. Super cheap, super quick read. Um, you know, it's probably took 10, 15 minutes to read through these chapters, but uh, there's a lot of things that you can do a little bit deeper dive in. And I think we will as we go through the summer. So mm -hmm. looking forward to that. As I mentioned, this is an abbreviated Wells Tech podcast. So we will jump directly to one of our favorite segments, and that is our tips and or picks of the week. Mrs. Draper, what have you got this week? Well, um, mine is on the side of entertainment. It does have a tech tie to it. Um, and if you know me at all, you know that one of the things I really enjoy is escape rooms. Maybe I talked about that already in the podcast. I don't know. But uh <laughs> I can't tell you how many our family's done and they're all different and challenging. And I just love puzzles and things. And so um, this summer in particular, I'm kind of laying low, not out and about doing a whole lot, but I found this interactive book game called journal 29. There's actually three books and they're basically puzzle books. There's a little bit of a storyline to it. It's not super heavy throughout the books from what I've read. Um, but um, each page is a puzzle and um, they kind of build upon themselves. And the text side of it is, as you're solving a puzzle, then when you turn the page, there's a QR code that you scan and put in what you believe is the answer to the puzzle. And if that's correct, they give you a response back that you recorded in your book. And that becomes part of some of the progressive puzzles that are in the book. So, um, there's, you know, communities built around this and places you can go to ask questions and things, but basically all types of puzzles for you to noodle on and then uh, scan the code, see if you're right, 
get the response from the system and keep going with your challenges. So um, really cool interactive books. All three are available on Amazon, um, less than $20. You can't buy an escape room ticket for less than $20. So that's a bargain when you think about it. And um, they've got great reviews. The other thing is we've played a lot of different um, kind of escape room in the box things. And this one you can actually preserve for other people to use. Some of them, you'll actually kind of tear it up as you're doing the escape room concept and other people can't play the game. It's not reusable. But in this one, like everyone in my family could do this puzzle book individually. As long as we don't write on the pages and stuff, we, you know, take our notes elsewhere, or make Xerox copies of um, Xerox. Yeah. Make copies <laughs> of some of the pages. Dating yourself, dating Sally. Myself. Yes. Yeah. But it uh, looks like a really fun experience. Mine is on order, um, my first one, and I will let you know how it goes. But if you enjoy this kind of thing, this might be a great um, summer activity for you and your family. You could play with a group as well. So journal29, journal29.com. Those, those um, do not look insignificant. I mean, 300 and some odd pages across all, all three. The illustrations yeah. look awesome. And they're just looking at the sample pages you've got, you know, on mm -hmm. the screen there. Look, it looks like some high quality stuff done there. What's yeah. journal 20? What's behind the 29? Um, there is a storyline to it. I think, I, oh, here it says a top secret evacuation did not bring any result for 28 weeks. It was on the 29th week that something unexpected happened. The team disappeared and the only thing that was left behind was their journal. You must solve the riddles in order to solve the mystery. Sounds like so. a great summer activity. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, let's go on to my pick. Mine is kind of a two-part pick related, um, but... Uh, that both bring something to the table, hopefully. Um, I want to start with the Tom's Guide article, and it is talking about what is probably coming to logins near you, and that is pass keys. If you hadn't heard, if you haven't heard about pass keys, you will pretty quickly. Basically, they are the next-gen password. We all know what passwords are, and uh, the Tom's Guide actually gives a little bit of history of passwords. Passwords are as old as I am. So in the year I was born, passwords were created. Uh, it happened in, um, that's, I think it says it at the top of the article, uh, to, to basically create uh, multi-user accounts um, in a, I believe it was a military uh, effort, like where the internet started too. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that's kind of interesting. But uh, passwords, obviously, have become a serious security issue. Uh, we A day hardly goes by these days without a breach. Uh, I'm sure all of us have had our password credentials in the hands of people we would rather not have them in the hands of. Uh, we receive... Uh, free credit reporting as a result, and we change our passwords, and many of us have password managers. Um, so it's a problem. And the, the smart people in the IT industry have figured out that uh, this is not something that is sustainable. So they have come up with this concept of pass keys. And so this article talks about what pass keys are. And essentially, it is a cryptographic way of creating a public encrypted key and a private encrypted key 
the public key sits on you know whatever site you're visiting, uh, Google.com, for instance, and the private key is something that you possess. It does not live on a server, so therefore it cannot be stolen from a breach of a public or a private server anywhere. It usually sits in an encrypted state on your phone, and it's not something that is human readable even. Uh, so you can't be social engineered into giving it out. Uh, that's one of the key ways that a lot of these breaches happen where people just give it away versus somebody stealing it. Um, so what happens is you visit a site, and this is a very simplified version. Uh, you go to a site, you create this relationship between this public key and the private key that you have, usually on your smartphone or your laptop. And when it's time to log in, the two communicate with each other. And if there is no communication, or if the communication is, is not exactly right, then entry to the site or the resource is refused. Um, the challenge with this, and this actually has been around a long time in email circles and uh, PGP, pretty good privacy, was a public private key uh, approach to sending secure emails. It was just a little clunky and not for the masses. Now, uh, this is built into smartphones, into computers, uh, Microsoft, Google, and Apple are big proponents of this. So you're going to see this in all of their products. Um, it is actually available now. And probably the next biggest step will be for password managers to build the ability to use passkeys into their tooling. So uh, I've mentioned one of my favorites in the past was LastPass. And they've had some serious breaches lately. Uh, so I've switched to my pick of the week, which is 1Password. Um, and 1Password just announced that this summer, they're going to be supporting passkeys as well. So you'll be able to go to a site and use 1Password to get into the site. Um, so every site's going to have a different passkey, of course. It'll all be encrypted. You just need that device, whether that's a laptop or typically a smartphone um, and there's a process where you scan a QR code, uh, which seemed to be getting more and more pop popular to, to make this authentication happen. So I, for one, am really looking forward to things like 1Password or your smartphone being involved in this let me in process uh, because it'll be much more secure. I won't have to come up with passwords. I won't even have to remember a master password. Um, necessarily, unless I'm using something like 1Password, it'll just happen automatically. So this, I'm thinking you're going to hear a lot more about this even this summer. I think 1Password is going to be launching their passkey um, options this summer. And certainly by the end of 2023, um, this is going to be available to the masses. Not a lot of sites are supporting it yet. It obviously has to hit you know, some level of um, adoption. But uh, Google, Microsoft, uh, places like Best Buy or eBay, they all have these things right now. And in this article, there's a list of the, the sites that offer it. And so you can kick the tires if you want and see how it works. But uh, uh, I would say very soon this is going to be mainstream. And I think for the better. And uh, hopefully reaches will be a thing of the past as this becomes more and more a part of, of who we are and what we do. So... Pass keys for the win, in my opinion. So we'll see where it goes.
well, I learned something. <laughs> Good to know. And yeah, here's the list of all the different sites that are using them. It's a pretty, pretty lengthy list. And I'm sure, like you said, it will be growing. So, yep. so we, nice we shall see. Coming. Yep. iPhone, Android phones, are the, the modern ones today support it already. Um, but there's a particular way you have to use them to, to make it happen. So those are our picks of the week. Sally, let's move to community news and feedback. Yeah, I just want to make mention of an event coming up very quickly. June 10th, 2023 is, I believe, maybe the third Taste of Missions event happening at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, only nine days away from this recording. And uh, it's basically a full day of mission activities. They've got uh, different, um, they have, yeah, registration, uh, doors open at 10 a.m. At 11, there's a commissioning worship service, and it looks like about eight different pastors are going to be commissioned into um, ministry serving world and home missions. So very exciting uh, to be part of that. There will be food trucks on site, um, children activities, all kinds of fun stuff happening around noon. And then there'll be some speakers related to world and home missions, um, moments with missionaries, um, live streamed from East Asia, um, and then also from Joplin, Missouri. And then uh, some missionary families will speak. So like I said, a very big full day starting at 10, going to 5, happening June 10th at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, also happening online. So if you can't be there in person, you can still go and get registered and uh, participate in different live stream activities from the seminary on June 10th. So check it out and be sure to get registered soon. Nice. I'm uh, unfortunately I cannot attend this year, but I have in the past, and it is worth going to. Um, it mm -hmm. is an experience where uh, you just are kind of immersed in the mission experience, and uh, it is is just it's more for awareness. I think everybody uh, would benefit from not just visiting uh, or, or visiting Taste of Missions, but actually visiting a mission field and experiencing what what these folks who are going to be talking and sharing their experiences have experienced themselves. So neat, uh, neat thing. So taste of missions. You have, uh, uh, family and mission fields, Martin, I believe in I Africa. Do. Are you eager yes. to go to Africa and visit? Have you got We would idea? love to get to Africa. Uh, we just got to figure out how to get over there. It's not just around the corner. So, um, yeah. That's a big in fact, my, my brother-in-law, Dan Witte, pastor Dan Witte, who is in Zambia, will be speaking at, uh, LWMS. So we're going to actually see him speak, uh, to the ladies there in lacrosse uh, at the end of the end of this month now so right end of june it's june 1st mm -hmm. so yep. coming up excellent well all right very good sally i enjoyed our chit chat about tech like a pirate um we refrained from any uh talk like a pirate activities which i think is suited to, to both of us yes yes <laughs> next time we well. are next time we meet we're going to continue with chapters three and four just to whet your appetites video and audio kill the chalkboard chalkboard star and chapter four all the world's a game and we are all players so tune in next time for that grab your copy and and come on uh come on board with us our <laughs> All right. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.